What's going on, family? Happy Tuesday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction. My name is Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you have had a fantastic start to your week so far, and I hope you enjoyed yesterday's show as we recapped all things connected to Crown Jewel. We had some conversation about AEW and the like. Of course, if you missed it, you can go back and check out that episode wherever it is that you're checking out The Faction currently. Shout out to all of you who are subscribed to our podcast on Apple, on Spotify, Google, or wherever it is that you're listening to us. Thank you so much. And if you're brand new, welcome aboard. If you have not subscribed yet, go ahead and click that subscribe button so that you don't have to wait for a social media post to know when we're dropping new content. Speaking of social media, Follow us right now at The Faction Show. And to all of you who have already done that and engage with us regularly, thank you so much. We're continuing to bring content to you and conversations that I think you guys will absolutely enjoy. So then, there's quite a bit to talk about, as there always is. We will get a bit into Monday Night Raw, because certainly some things happened on Monday Night Raw that are moving the needle forward as we head into Survivor Series War Games. But one of the biggest pieces of news right now is happening outside of the WWE. It's actually happening in the NWA. So if you joined us last Last week or so, we told you that the month of November is a stacked month for premium live events slash pay-per-views in wrestling. This weekend, we had Crown Jewel. This coming weekend, we have NWA Hard Times 3. The following weekend is AEW's Full Gear event. And then, of course, at the end of the month is Survivor Series. So, as we mentioned, this coming weekend, just a couple of days from now, we have NWA Hard Times 3. And maybe there's not a more appositely named pay-per-view than that one, given the situation in the NWA. So, let's start with the controversy that has been going around surrounding NWA Empower. So you may remember that last year during the summer, the NWA presented their first all-female pay-per-view. It was called Empower. It was managed and put together by Mickey James, who is the number 15 woman's wrestler for all of 2022. An amazing cachet, certainly a Hall of Fame career. And she gave us an event that, in my opinion, was even better than NWA 73, which followed the night after. Many wondered, when will there be a sequel to NWA Empower? Would that become a regular event? But we found out, no, it won't become a regular event, at least not for the foreseeable future, because according to NWA owner Billy Corgan, there are not enough women available to wrestle in a pay-per-view. He went even further in a recent interview and said that there are not enough available women who can wrestle the, quote, NWA style. Needless to say, that has created a snowball effect in terms of comments and backlash from a lot of spaces. And while that is going on, another very interesting situation is happening. As Nick Aldis, who is the longest reigning NWA champion of the modern era, the man who you could argue single-handedly carried the NWA on its back over the last few years, the only representation of the NWA at the all-in pay-per-view that 
really burst AEW as we know it. It was the NWA World Championship that was on the line where he fought Cody. Cody would win. And then about a month later at NWA 70, Cody would lose the belt to Nick Aldis, ultimately giving Nick Aldis the World Championship again, while Cody would go on to launch AEW. The NWA, Nick Aldis, the international treasure, has officially given his notice to the NWA. He will not be renewing his contract. His contract expires on December the 31st of this year. So in light of that, he went to Instagram, specifically the Instagram subscriptions. Now, I'm sure if you're on Instagram, you've been seeing how varying people have now made a subscription only page for Instagram where you could subscribe and get exclusive content. Well, as part of that subscription only, Nick Aldis shared with his fans that indeed he was leaving the NWA and started citing some of the reasons why. If you've been following the NWA, product, you know there's been growing tension between Nick Aldis and the NWA and their owner, Billy Corgan. If we go back to NWA 74, which was their big anniversary event, Nick Aldis had actually won a full tournament to become the number one contender for the NWA World Championship, and then he was ceremoniously pulled out because of politics and the like. So here it is, he made these comments on Instagram talking about why he's leaving the NWA. Well, the NWA apparently didn't like it, neither did Billy Corgan, and they have subsequently suspended Nick Aldis indefinitely. So that means Nick Aldis, who was scheduled to perform this weekend at the Hard Times pay-per-view, will not be there. He was scheduled to battle Odinson. That is not going to happen. And in fact, he took to Twitter yesterday and he went on and he said, quote, also fans in New Orleans, sorry to disappoint, but I was removed from the shows this weekend after giving my notice. I fully intended to fulfill my obligations to the audience, but unfortunately, the company doesn't seem to share the same values. Yesterday, also, when that article came out regarding the commentary of Billy Corgan surrounding women's wrestling and empower, Nick Aldis also followed that up by saying, and this is one of the reasons why I gave my notice. So what we're looking at is a very interesting situation. And as I'm looking at 2022, I think about this. Every organization, for the most part, has the face of the company. In AEW, that face was Cody Rhodes. In the NWA, that face was Nick Aldis. In 2022, both Nick Aldis and Cody Rhodes are leaving or have left the companies that they have been the face of. I think it's very interesting. And I think it speaks a lot to management and leadership. You know, I think Nick Aldis, again, did an awful lot for the NWA. I will go so far as to say it could be a really petty move for the NWA to not treat this man well as he is heading out of the door. I'm not exactly sure what suspending him is going to do. I don't know if that extends his contract. I don't know if he's suspended without pay, meaning you're not going to pay him. But however you look at this, this is, I think, bad business for the NWA, who, again, if you're looking to sell for this pay-per-view, you want to have the guy who's kind of the face of the company on there. Now, with that said, 
What is the NWA style, particularly for women? I don't know. I certainly have not seen a style that the NWA has presented that most women in this business cannot handle. And when I think about women, there is going to be an NWA women's title match that's happening on this pay-per-view. It's a triple threat that involves the current champion, Camille, as she'll be defending in a three-way match against Chelsea Green and Kylan King. Kylan King was just at Battle Slam battle slam thriller specifically where she battled queen aminata now i won't give you the results of that match but i will say the match was incredible and so queen aminata easily could be on the nwa and an empower pay-per-view you think about people like maria Canellis, who has an entire women's brand called women's wrestling army filled with amazing women who could fit the bill a number of women who end up on aew dark are not signed to aew and could easily perform there there are plenty of women in the sport of pro wrestling who could pull off an amazing pay-per-view for the nwa i almost wish that Billy Corgan would just say, I'm really not that invested in the Empower pay-per-view. But to disrespect the women of this business, to disrespect Mickey James, who, oh, by the way, happens to be the wife of Nick Aldis, you can't think that that's going to go over well with Nick Aldis. And obviously, it has not. So it'll be very, very interesting to watch what happens with the remainder of this week leading into the pay-per-view from the NWA. It'll be interesting to see how things go down between Billy Corgan and, of course, Nick Aldis. And it's interesting, Joe Galley, who was the lead announcer and also happens to be the chief operating officer of the NWA, was very specific in a statement yesterday when he said that this is not an in-ring angle, meaning what we're seeing play out before us is very, very real. It is not scripted. And uh, it kind of reminds me of how things went down between Vince Russo and members of WCW while Vince Russo was in charge. Politics, politics, politics. Really crazy. I will say this, though. With Nick Aldis becoming a free agent come December 31st, you've got to think once we head into the top of the year, where could he head? Could he head back to Impact? Could he head to AEW? Could he show up at the Royal Rumble? Could both he and and Mickey James find themselves in the Royal Rumble for Mickey James the second time in two years for Nick Aldis the first time in his career. All sorts of possibilities are wide open for what could happen in the NWA or better yet, what could happen with Nick Aldis. I'm curious for one, are you paying attention to the NWA? And for two, where do you want to see Nick Aldis show up? Let us know right now on the socials at The Faction Show. When we come back, we're going to dig into Monday Night Raw, some of the happenings from there, and where we're going on the road to Survivor Series. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I got to plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown, and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm going to start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, 
wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were going to start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content, but that I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people. I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here. Lord, a few minutes later. It was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year's going to be mine. COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a win, there's a you, there will always be an S-H-W. It's me, D-D-P, the king of Bada Bing, the master of the diamond cutter, the three-time, three-time, three-time world champion and CEO and founder of DDP Yoga. You're listening to The Faction on Bonafide Radio. And that's not a bad thing. That, my friend, is a good thing. Bang! So last night was Monday Night Raw, an intriguing show for sure, coming from Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. And indeed, there are going to be a couple of spoilers on here. So if you don't want to hear those spoilers because you've not watched Raw yet, just press pause on this podcast. Go ahead, finish watching Raw, then press unpause and hear the rest of this conversation. With that said, Monday Night Raw, first thing out of the gate, before I get into any of the happenings, crowd, what was going on? Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania got an amazing show. Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania actually has a lot of history with the WWE. Before the WWE went national, spaces like Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, Allentown, Pennsylvania, they were all spaces that the WWE would frequent and they had a really raucous crowd. Lots of tapings for WWE happened in those spaces back in the 70s and 80s. Well, here it is. Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania gets the Monday Night Raw following crown jewel and it's very very clear that either their minds are somewhere else or this was just the wrong place to do this it reminds me of i believe lafayette louisiana when ricochet made his debut and the crowd just kind of sat there and yeah I think the WWE quickly realized uh, Lafayette is probably not the best place to do this. And they may be saying the same thing after last night's show in Wilkes-Barre. If you've not watched it, go back and watch it. Tell me what you think of that crowd. Really interesting because the show started off hot with quite the promo between the New Day and 
and the Usos, and they both went kind of deep and heavy, and that's one thing I'm liking about Triple H's WWE. We're getting some great promos coming out of there, some great moments that are happening, and I just think it's pretty, pretty amazing to watch what has been happening with these guys. Like, it's just awesome to see people get to bear their souls and speak from their heart with really passionate promos and that's what we got last night between the Usos and the New Day it ends up becoming a six-man tag where the Usos team up with Solo Sokoa to take on the New Day and Riddle the bloodline gets the win and we proceed so I want to talk about some of the the highlights again that was a, a certainly a highlight the OC gets some help with the debuting Mia Yim and that was a bit of a shocker. Mia Yim, of course, had been spending quite a bit of time in Impact. Her last stint in WWE, of course, she was in NXT and then ended up being a part of Retribution. But that did not go very well. But I do think that this situation with Mia Yim and Rhea Ripley could get very, very interesting and very, very physical. And now it seems as though Mia Yim is a part of the OC. And I think things are going to get to be very, very fun watching all of this unfold. Things between The Miz and Johnny Gargano are getting very interesting as well. Quite the story being told there between Gargano and The Miz. And yeah, again, I just don't think that the crowd is is feeling some of the things that perhaps they should be feeling. I think this story is much more interesting than the crowd is letting on. And I'm intrigued to see what's going to happen with Dexter Loomis. Is Dexter Loomis at some point going to be officially a part of the WWE? Time will certainly tell, and how all of this unfolds will tell. But here's what I'm also interested in. Where is Ciampa? I feel like at some point Tommaso Ciampa is going to become a part of this story, and maybe, just maybe, this at least puts either the fuel in for the reuniting of DIY or another round of Ciampa and Gargano, which I think would be way more interesting than Gargano versus The Miz. So this right here is extremely interesting and we'll be keeping our eyes on this. Now then, to the US Championship. So you have Bobby Lashley answering the challenge and Bobby Lashley just going crazy, going ham. And I think it's awesome. This is the killer Bobby Lashley that we love, the same guy who was unleashed on Brock Lesnar over the weekend, just takes out Seth Rollins, and it's amazing. And so what would happen? Well, it's a cash-in for Money in the Bank from Theory? So here's what's interesting about this to me. Well, before I go there, Theory just reminded me that we also saw something that we haven't seen in a very long time on Raw, and that is the presence of both Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin, both of them actually getting singles matches on this episode of Raw, which was great to see. Even though they were losing efforts, I'm glad that they're on TV and not sitting in catering because I think they had been forgotten about. I love the fact that the history about them and the Hurt Business was brought up and the fact that they are all game competitors. So all very, very cool things for sure. Now then back to Theory, who had gotten a win, of course, over Shelton Benjamin earlier that night. Things got really, really interesting as Theory cashed in the money in the bank for the U.S. championship. This is the first time that there has been a cash in for a championship that is not 
either the world championship, the universal championship, or the WWE championship. That is intriguing. That is interesting. And I think it's brilliant. Here it is. Theory gets an opportunity to become a champion, but not so as Seth Rollins survives, retains the U.S. title. And now Theory goes on a very short list of people who unsuccessfully cashed in their money in the bank contract. This also ends the whole theory that Theory would be a future world champion thanks to money in the bank. I think it's a good move. I don't think Fury is ready to become a world champion at this point. The U.S. champion again, maybe, but not in Triple H's WWE, not just yet, and I'm not mad at that at all. So the way all of that went down made for an incredible episode of Monday Night Raw. I think WWE continues to hit on all cylinders as we get ready for Survivor Series War Game. And so part of my theory is already playing out where we've got the members of Damage Control and Nikki Cross making it official. And by the way, Nikki Cross wins the 24-7 championship and then drops it in the garbage casually. Does that mean we've seen the end of the 24-7 championship? If we have, sue me, because I don't think it's a moment too soon, right? The 24-7 championship really has not meant much since its inception, And I think this is another one of those things that goes out of the window, making way for some more serious battles for championships. So seems like 24-7 championship is done, but it seems like Nikki Cross is back. She is a part now of this War Games tandem. And so Bailey will obviously be looking for one more person. There are conveniently two more slots left on the team for Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and Asuka. It seems clear who those two people are going to be, but I'm going to let that play out. And I'm very, very interested in how Triple H will go ahead and walk us to Survivor Series. Fun, fun times in WWE for sure. Now, tell me this. Who do you think will be the fifth member of the team with Bailey? And do you think that Sasha and Naomi will indeed come back for war games? Or will there be two other competitors? And if they are, who will they be? The last piece about this that I'm going to say, which is so interesting, is this. Virtually everybody in this war games match has done time in NXT. And several of them have war games experience, including Bianca, including EO Sky, including Dakota Kai. So I think we need to be prepared for the women to completely steal the show. And I don't even know if it's stealing the show if we have the expectation that they're going to crush it because they absolutely will at War Games. I hope the main roster is ready for what we're going to see because we're going to see, I think, something extremely special. So with all of that said, hey, I appreciate you guys rocking with us today here on The Faction. We've got more things coming up throughout the week, so stay tuned. And uh, we may even do some things surrounding Tales from the Territories, which is kind of a neat space for us, and we'll definitely be talking about that at some point. But until next time, family, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray, I am Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. Solid, my